The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The following program is a PodcastOne.com production. He's a world champion wrestler, best-selling author, actor, and lead singer of Fozzie. Now, now he's rocking the podcast world. Marvelous. This, this, this is Talk is Jericho. Talk is Jericho. Starring Chris Jericho. Welcome to Talk is Jericho. And it's Friday. It's Friday. This is the pot of thunder and rock and roll. The remedy for boredom has arrived. It's the People's Podcast. Let's go for a ride. Somebody's going to get their ass kicked. Somebody's going to get their wig split. Somebody's going to get their ass kicked. Somebody's going to get their wig split. Beat him up, beat him up, break his neck, break his neck. Beat him up, beat him up, break his neck, break his neck. Beat him up, beat him up, break his neck, break his neck. Beat him up, beat him up, break his neck. 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 Woo! Oh, yeah! What is going on downtown in Chinatown? Lots of stuff uh, going on around here. Around here, we got Santino Morella coming up to talk about his life and times. Plus, we're going to play the brand new Fozzie single, Lights Go Out. People are going crazy for this song. Let us know what you think about it. Hit me up on the Twitter, at Talk is Jericho, or at Fozzie Rock, F-O-Z-Z-Y-R-O-C-K. And let us know what you think about the new tune, Lights Go Out. Plus, I'm going to be taking your phone calls a little later on in the show. Go check out the Twitter at Talk is Jericho, and we're going to talk today about the Loch Ness Monster. He has reappeared. I want to hear what you think is going on in Loch Ness, so check the Twitter and find the number. But before we get started... The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Okay, anyone um, that knows me well knows that I really am always been obsessed with lake monsters. More specifically, the Loch Ness Monster. Uh, I can remember when I was about 9 or 10 years old going onto the Lake Ogopogo, Lake Okanagan in, in British Columbia. And the lake monster that was supposedly in there was called the Ogopogo. 
And my grandfather used to take me fishing on the lake and we'd go into the middle of it and then he'd stop the boat and he'd like slap the top of the boat, like bam, bam, bam. He'd go, Oh, go pogo. Oh, go pogo. Where are you? And I remember being on the bottom of the boat, like just scream like grandpa, no, no, stop, stop. And he would take baloney and take the baloney and throw it into the water and go, this is Ogopogo's favorite treat. And I was just convinced that Ogopogo would rise from the depths and eat me. He would kill me and my grandfather, and I was convinced that that's how I would die, by getting eaten by a lake monster. And my whole life I've had like a real vivid imagination about that. To the point where even when I go swimming in a lake, we live on a lake, and I know, I mean, I can see the entire banks of it, but when I go out there on a paddleboard or on the jet ski, it still bugs me um, if I fall off. Like, I got to get out quickly just in case, you know, I'm going to get eaten by a Loch Ness monster or, you know, by a lake monster. So I've actually even been pitching a show about lake monsters for a while now because there's literally like hundreds of lake monsters all around the globe. Uh, in all different, there's like 40 or 50 in the States alone. There's in Canada, UK, you know, Ireland, Russia, Japan, China. So I've been pitching this Lake Monster show. It hasn't gotten picked up yet, but I'm not going to give up on it. So if any producers out there are listening, uh, pick up my Lake Monster show. But here we are today, and I go online and find out that big headline, has the Loch Ness Monster been spotted on Apple Maps? Go to foxnews.com and punch in the Loch Ness Monster. And there's actually a picture from from the side, from the shoreline of like this, I don't know, it looks like some kind of a fish or something, but it's giant. And it, say it's, it says in the, in the story, it's a real sighting of the elusive creature. Um, and members of the official Loch Ness Monster fan club claim they've studied an image seen on Apple's global satellite map that shows the allegedly 100-foot-long creature. And CNET.com's reported, London Daily Mail's report says if you zoom in on the Apple images from space, you can even see the monster's giant flippers. Now, this news has the fans of Nessie uh, freaking out because there hasn't been a Loch Ness monster sighting in 18 months. Now, the legend has it that she's been cruising the area of the Loch just south of, of Doris, Scotland for some 90 years, but no definitive proof. But now we have some proof via these, um, these, these photographs from Apple Maps. Now, you know, uh, the guy who found it says a total fluke. I was looking at satellite images of my town, thought I'd have a look at Loch Ness. First thing that came to my head is it's the Loch Ness monster. So there's a lot of cynics that say that you know it's not real and it's probably just some kind of a a mock up. But true believers like myself and the Loch Ness fan club president Gary Campbell, happy the infamous monster is back on the radar. Last year was the first time in almost 90 years that Nessie wasn't seen at all. After Nessie going missing for 18 months, it's great to see her back. It's Gary Campbell. If you're listening to this show, Gary, hit me up on the Twitter at Talk is Jericho because I want to know what you know about the Loch Ness Monster. Now, we have uh, here with me in the studio uh, an expert on, on creatures, all sea creatures, lake creatures, uh, has been since he was two years old, and I should know because I've known him my whole life. I got Ash Irvin in the studio with me. Uh, how you doing, Ash? Good. How are you doing? I'm doing good. So we were looking at this, uh, and first of all, you've been obsessed with sea creatures ever since you were a little guy. I mean, you knew every type of shark when you were two years old, and everyone knows like a great white shark or a tiger shark, but what other kinds of sharks is there? There's there's many different types of sharks. Some sharks still haven't been discovered. There will be many more sharks come, and 
I, which kind is it? Like lemon sharks? There's lemon sharks, there's bull sharks, there's goblin sharks, which are uh, deep sea, sea creature sharks. There's frilled sharks. There's many different types of sharks. Cookie cutter and, sharks? Yeah, cookie cutter sharks. And um, mako sharks. There's blue sharks. There's whale so, sharks. There's bronze sharks. Like, whale, bronze whaler sharks. I didn't even know there was that many sharks. And you know all these sharks. So you've always kind of uh, been into all the sea creatures and all the different types of sharks. You love fish. Mm-hmm. What's your ta- favorite type of fish? Um, probably either a marlin or a tuna. And when you were like three, you caught, uh, was it a bass? Yes, a bass. With, that was about as big as me. And what'd you catch it with? A little Tweety Rod. You have a Fisher <laughs> Price Tweety Rod. So you, you've got the magic touch when it comes to, uh, to catching fish. Now we're looking at this picture of the Loch Ness Monster spotted on Apple Maps. And I, of course, believe that it's the Loch Ness Monster, but you looked at it and you had a couple theories. What do you, what do you think that is? What, what's your thoughts? Well, I have three f- theories on this. And one, uh, my number one theory is that it's a giant sturgeon. Now, s- sturgeon is a type of fish which can grow very large and live a very long time. Now, this may seem very preposterous to some of you people out there. Like, how could a fish be that big? Yeah, because they're saying it's like 100 feet long. Yeah. How can a fish be that big? Well, I've got an answer. An average average lifespan for a a freshwater sturgeon is about 100 years. Could be longer, could be shorter. And they grow about 20 feet. And I know it says 100 feet, but that looks to me about, I don't know, 50, or not 50, like 40, 30 feet. Wow. They tend to come to the top of the surface. I forget why. Okay. Sometimes people run over them with their boat and they break the propellers wow now, now keep in mind we're talking ash is 10 um and he said that's preposterous great word and what uh what else are we looking at here? so that was your so your first theory is that it's a sturgeon you said you had three what's the second one my second theory is that it could be um the back end of a very large creature it could be a I mean, it could be a Loch Ness monster, or it could be the Loch Ness monster. So you're saying there's a chance it could be like a plesiosaur, kind of a dinosaur? Yes, could be. And then my third theory is kind of sci-fi, probably not not true. Let's let's hear it. It's a theory. My third theory is that a a country has placed a submarine in this lake and um, to either spy on the inhabitants of... Of, the, of of the shoreline of yeah, the, the shoreline. people who live on, on Loch Ness. Yeah, on Loch Ness, which I know that sounds a little weird, but well, we're talking about al- yeah, it could also be a secret project for research or something. Okay, so it could be you're thinking if it, if it's, it's something natural that we know it's a sturgeon. Yeah, or it could be you know kind of a you're thinking some kind of identified creature. But when you looked at that right away, you said it's a sturgeon. I said it's a sturgeon. You said, yeah. you actually, your quote was, don't get your hopes up, Dad. It's a sturgeon. Yeah. Um, and if you um, look up on Safari, Google, any place, you will probably see that if you look up bird's eye view of sturgeon mm-hmm. off Loch Ness, you will see huge creatures, just the shadow of huge creatures, massive. So, so how big how big do sturgeons grow? Um, They tend to get, I, the, I think the biggest ever seen was 21 feet. I could be wrong. So all you people who really like fish, I'm just saying. <laughs> if there's any fish out there or any fish fans that are going to challenge Ash on 20 feet long, he's saying, give me a break. I know I'm not be, I might not be perfectly right. Yeah. But basically you're saying they're big creatures. Yeah, they could grow big. And they have a habit of jumping out of the water and knocking c- 
canoers into the lake. Really? Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, that seems like pretty uh, like a vicious type of a thing. Yeah, but they don't do it on purpose. They see the color of the kayaks, and then they swim up and jump out of the water, hit the kayak, overturn it. People in the kayak drown. Wow. Yep. So, so what you're saying is that, you know, with all the years we've talked about Loch Ness Monster, it said 90 years, but it's been hundreds of years, that if you're seeing some large unidentified creature, that it's possible it could be a sturgeon? Yes, it could be a sturgeon, but then again, it could be some other unknown creature that oh, yeah. human science hasn't discovered yet, living at the depths of Loch Ness. Right, because we've seen a few of those. Remember the uh, the coelacanth? Coelacanth, Ex- yes. Explain to us what the coelacanth is. Coelacanth is an ancient fish that survived, has been alive for millions of years. It is a prehistoric creature, and... Um, they thought it was extinct. Yeah, they thought it was extinct, just like every other dinosaur, until somebody in Japan was netting and caught one. Like, what, like in 1950 or something? Yeah, 1950, and caught a live, stir- er, a lar- live coelacanth. To, to prove that even though they thought it was gone for, for Ever. thousands of years, it that they still existed at the still bottom of the existed. ocean. So there's still a chance there could be a plesiosaur, a form of a dinosaur, maybe aquatic dinosaur, that maybe could have found its way to Loch Ness. Yes. That is a perfectly um, reasonable theory because okay. anything's possible. That's right. Well, it's, uh, it's good to have you on, fish expert Ash Irvin. Uh, what book are you reading right now? Um... Well, that's. Um, I'm reading Divergent. It's a good you, book. You look good book. Which what books did you just finish reading? I just finished reading the Harry Potter series. Did you like those? Yes. What was your favorite Harry Potter book? Probably the fourth or fifth. Which which one is that? Order of the, the Phoenix. The Order of the Phoenix and the Goblet of Fire. Okay. We have the very intelligent fish expert Ash Irvin, and we'll keep an eye on this story. Uh, has Loch Ness. Uh, has, has, has the Loch Ness Monster been spotted on Apple Maps? With more developments, we'll get your opinions uh, at a later date. Thank you, uh, uh, fish expert Ash Irvin. You're welcome. And thanks for letting me be on your very popular podcast. And goodbye, everybody. <laughs> All right. This is Ash signing off for the very last time. Probably not, but you never know. All right, thanks to fish expert Ash Irvin for being on the show and giving his uh, his thoughts. And plus, he's my son. How smart was he? Preposterous, he used. He's 10 years old. Inhabitants? Jeez, man, he's way smarter than I was when I was a kid. <laughs> and we got Santino Morella coming up, plus Lights Go Out, the new Fozzie tune. But first... The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. You're listening to Talk is Jericho. And on the line right now, one of Italy's favorite sons, former intercontinental champion, Santino Morella is here. How you doing, my man? Oh, fantastic. Is this the real Chris Jeringo? This, yes, this is. The, it's actually uh, Jericho. Um, but I know you're from Italy, and sometimes you have a problem pronouncing names, but uh, Jericho. 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 Nah, no. see, that's not bad. That's not bad. You know, I know. If you break it down piece by piece, I can do it. 
<laughs> yeah, just it gets too quick sometimes uh, when you when you try and speak too fast. I know you're still mastering the English language, but you're doing a fairly good job. I mean, you've been in the WWE now for almost six or seven years or so. Uh, I think you joined back yeah. in 2007. Yeah, this April 16 is my seven-year anniversary. And uh, well, time sure does fly, that's for sure. Well, absolutely it flies. And what a career you've had, Santino. I mean, um, I mean, there's so much stuff to, to talk about. I mean, I think probably, uh, but I think the biggest thing right now is you're calling from, from a, a movie set. Is that correct? Uh, right now, I'm in the uh, fancy, schmancy hotel they put me in. I uh, pick up today at one thirty, and they drive me to the set. I say one line, and I come home. That's how movies started to do it. Uh, what movie are you, are you working on right now, Santino? It's uh, Jingle All the Way 2. Um, if you know the original one, it was from uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger. And uh, so I'm pretty much uh, the new uh, muscle guy on the block, you know, big, strong guy on the block. And I'm going to make everyone believe that I can act just like Arnold Schwarzenegger. So you're going to be like one of the new uh, action heroes of the, of, the new, uh, of the new decade, basically, with this movie. Yeah, I can slide over the hood of a car. I can somersault, come up, shoot a gun. I can do anything, pretty much. Uh, and if I cannot, my uh, stunt double can do it. So I'm not scared. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's how it works. And, and who else is in this movie with you, Jingle All the Way Part 2? Well, the, 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 the principal guy, that's a new word for me, principal, is, um, is a Larry the Cable guy. And he's a very funny person and a very nice guy, family guy, you know, a couple kids, a nice dog, a nice wife. He's uh, from uh, Nebraska, and he's, uh, he's very popular. Wow, so you're actually, uh, so it's Larry the Cable Guy and Santino Morella starring in Jingle All the Way too. Yeah, it's interesting because I have to work on my, uh, like, American accent for the movie. Mm-hmm. And um, it's I, I don't know if it's believable because... I mean, people are laughing when I do it, but it's comedy. So I'm thinking they're either laughing because I'm doing good comedy or they're laughing because uh, maybe not believable accent. But I guess we'll see what the public thinks. Well, I, I would say, obviously, it's because uh, they're laughing because you're telling jokes because your acting is, is, is probably very incredible. Now, what kind of an accent do you have to have in this movie? I'm uh, from North Carolina in the movie. Oh. And, uh, can can we hear... Can, redneck. Can we hear uh, uh, a snippet of the of the accent, maybe? Okay, let me think of some lines here that are important. Uh, okay, <clears throat> so there's a part where uh, Lady the Cable Guy, his ex-wife, she got remarried. Mm-hmm. And this new guy, he's a rich guy, and he, he's embracing the role of stepdada, and he... Um, likes to make a, become close with the kid. So he says to the kid, "My, you're my little sugar plum. And then later, Larry is telling me the story. And okay. So I say to him, she really called you his little sugar plum? Hey? <laughs> wow. Did you, did you just replace, replace uh, yourself with a, a guy from North Carolina sitting beside you? Was that really you? No, you got you figured it out. That was a guy beside me. <laughs> <laughs> that sounded really. No, that was me. Double trick. I double tricked you. That was really me. Wow, I mean, that's some good stuff, Santino. I mean, that, that, did you have to work with a, a dialect coach to get that uh, accent, or? Um, I believe it's called a linguist. I believe. Okay. Well, and that's what happens when you're but on. I, it. I worked on it for a while. 
Well, when you're on a, a big budget movie, they have linguists on the set uh, just to give you help and advice whenever you need it, correct? That is true. Plus, all the experience we have at Waffle House over the years, it really helps me. <laughs> Absolutely. The number one place for, uh, for wrestlers to eat is at the Waffle House on the road. Yeah, chicken and eggs, chicken and eggs. How, how, how was that for you moving uh, when you first came over from Italy and, and kind of dealing, uh, experiencing the delicacies of America? I mean, Italy is known uh, for its food. I mean, people love Italian food. Was it hard for you to get used to chicken and waffles and, uh, you know, sliced, diced, baked and faked and all that different stuff they have? Well, when I first came to America, I, I was living in, in New Jersey in Patterson. So it wasn't like the South. So mm-hmm. it was like culture shock number one mm-hmm. was coming to America. And, um, and I found out that Greek people own the restaurants here. It's crazy to me. Hmm. Back home is everybody's Italian, but here all the diners are from Greek people and Jewish people. So I found that to be very interesting. Uh, but they did have lots of Italian food, and they had lots of, uh, you know, American-Italian food. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't so bad. Then when I moved or started experiencing the South, that was a whole other culture. And uh, I, it's nice. I like it. They're a little bit more slow, laid back, and... Um, no, they're slow, like they're slow mentally. <laughs> they're, they're, their pace, their pace. Is oh, okay, slow. okay. Yeah. Well, let, and, uh, it's nice people. Well, let's talk about your early years. I mean, we know so much about the internationally famous uh, Santino Marella, one, you know, a great performer in the WWE, world famous. But we don't know a lot about, about your upbringing and, and how you got uh, recruited into the WWE, how you became a wrestling fan. Uh, tell us about kind of how, when you grew up in Italy, was there a lot of wrestling that you could watch there? No, there was only one channel that had wrestling for one hour. And I had to stay up like two in the morning on was it Friday or Saturday. I know it was the beginning of the weekend. So either way, Friday or Saturday, two in the morning, there was a WWF. Uh-huh. Back in the day. So I was, you know, I was Hulkamaniac. I love Hulk Hogan and uh, Jimmy Snuka and British Bulldogs. I love those guys. And uh, I used to get my sister Santina and practice all the moves on her. Mm. And, uh, you know, she became quite strong because of this. But uh, And that was it. You know, it was, it was just a fantasy. I never believed you can, you can, you can do this. But my father was, uh, he had a construction company and plus very small one, just he used his children as labor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. And um, uh, he was like also a small farmer. One side of the uh, of the hill was uh, olive trees. Other side was grapes. So we make a little bit homemade uh, olive oil and wine. Mm-hmm. And um, and that's it. You know, I was, uh, I did not like the construction part. So I would uh, pretend to be very, very slow. So he would get so angry to me. He would say, get out of here, you son of a gun. And, um, I could get the day off. And then I would chase this one girl named Natalia all around the town. If you saw what I saw, you'd know why I would chase her. <laughs> <laughs> she was, uh, she was and a real looker, I assume. It was her bum. It was crazy. Oh, Italian bums yeah. are amazing, aren't they? Oh, my God. <laughs> it was like it was doing this, you know, you say to the singer, like, come here. Mm-hmm. It was like making me chase her you know right right like but, something that um, something for that, uh, that uh, michelangelo would have sculpted out of rock out of granite oh uh, yes. yes okay so you were chasing around That's the right. town you didn't like the construction work yes yeah, so you know like every 18 year old i went to the military for a couple of years that was not very good for me 
I was always trying to get out of things I did not like to do. And um, plus, there was a general, his name was Del Pinto. And um, well, I kind of, uh, I kind of um, slept with his daughter at oh. one party. With the yeah, ge- you slept I with was- the general's daughter. Well, slept, I mean, behind the shed for a couple, two minutes, but still, <laughs> it was, uh, technically, I was with his daughter, and, uh, you know, he hated me forever. He made my life so miserable there in the army, so I, I uh, you know, I had one last accident, and they kicked me out. Mm. Um, it was, a, I burned down something by accident, but anyway, the military was not for me. I was always a daydreamer looking away out the window, thinking about greater things, bigger things, far-off places. You know, maybe I can be like a, a Italian Bruce Lee hmm. or something like that. I, I love two things, martial arts movies, Kung Fu, and WWF. Hmm. Those are my two passions. But how can a guy like me from small village leave there and become this? It's impossible. It's, just, it's, it's not possible. You just watch, the, watch it on TV and that's where you're going. That's where you're going to know it from from mm-hmm. the TV. That's mm-hmm. as close as you are going to get. But then uh, one day, I mean, I had a part-time job. I worked Friday afternoons at this little bar, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, so my family was not happy because I was not working enough. This is after the army. And uh, so one day I was watching uh, kung fu movies and changing uh, the channels, and I put on wrestling. And then my family came in and they said, "Look." Someday, you know, we have to have a talk because we're not happy with the direction of your life. Your brothers, they're working. Your sisters, they're working. All you do is watch TV. And uh, they said, what are you going to do? And then someone else said, what are you going to do? Yeah, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? So much, like, uh, yelling at me. And I got so angry. And I pointed to the TV. And I said, I'm going to be a wrestler. Just like that. Mm. And then they all looked at the TV and they started laughing, like, <laughs> to the point where they, they walk out the room, they're all laughing, like they thought it was impossible, like it was a joke. Right. And I was, re- I was really pissed off, you know? Yeah. That they think I can't do it. So I decided this moment, I said, you know what? I'm out of here. I'm out of this small town. I sold my Vespa. I packed up some things I had, and I moved, and I bought a ticket to New Jersey, where I saw on the internet that there was a school from Iron Mike Sharp. He had a school in New Jersey. Oh. So I, yeah, he was a good athlete, apparently. Yeah, so, so and, uh, what was the name of the, of the village that you grew up in? San Fili. San Fili. San Fili, Calabria, yeah. Okay, so then you, you got a ticket and you flew over to New Jersey to the school of Iron Mike Sharp, Canada's number one athlete. Yeah, how come, but how come he, he wasn't living in New Jersey? If he was Canada, great. I never figured that out. But uh, anyway, he was in New Jersey. I think he actually moved to New Jersey to try and uh, uh, be drafted for Vietnam. A lot of people were in America and went to Canada so they wouldn't get drafted. I was. I heard that he actually was in Canada trying to get drafted, so he moved to New Jersey. But alas, it didn't work out, so he became a wrestler. I think that's kind of something like that is what happened. <laughs> that's crazy. Yeah, well, there you go. That's Iron Mike Sharp for you, as you know, from training with him. So so you went to his school? Yeah, I was trying to get out of the Army. He was trying to get in here. <laughs> <laughs> the irony. No. Oh. Yeah, that's funny, because we never quite did see eye to eye. I mean, 
I don't know. He maybe he expected some more things from me, but um, for it, everything hurt me in the beginning. Everything hurt. Mm-hmm. You know, I hit the I hit the ropes, the same place over and over again, and the place where the rope hit my back was killing me. Mm-hmm. I thought for sure I, I broke something or I tore something because that kind of pain was abnormal. And um, you know, he gave me a chop one time, and uh, I left the ring. I left. I don't want. You know, like, <laughs> why would you do that to me? <laughs> so hard on my chest. Wow! Yeah, and, um, it hurt. Then falling was uh, falling took me a while to do the proper, you know, break fall mm-hmm. to absorb the impact. Bumps that they call them. They're called bumps. Yeah. Yeah. And um, that that those were always pretty much hurt me a little bit in my neck and my back. But eventually, 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 I started to get uh, less bad, you know. And I was frustrated. I wanted to quit many times mm-hmm. because I thought this is not for me, you know. Like, you know how to skin the cat? Oh, well, yeah, the wrestling move, absolutely, where you get thrown over the top rope and you hold on and then you pull yourself back into the ring. Yeah, I can kind of do it now. But that thing for me, oh, I stayed there for hours. And hours trying to do that into the ring. I just couldn't get over the top. Oh. Those kind of things, they frustrate me so much. But, uh, you know, eventually, eventually, hard work and dedication. And I learned a lot about myself. Mm-hmm. That when you think you can't do something, you keep practicing and keep doing it. Eventually, you can get, you know, you can do it or come closer to being able to do it. So, um, mm. yeah, then I, that, that was for two years. And then... Um, my father was a little bit sick. He had lots of water in the lungs. Mm. So um, he used to work with asbestos. And um, so I went there to, uh, to to see what's up. My cousin called me, and they were concerned. So I don't want to, you know, God forbid something happened to my father. You know, I have to be there. Well, yeah, especially so after I the years there. he worked in the asbestos mines. I mean, that's hard work. Yeah, that's no. He was fixing all the houses, the old house, and take out the asbestos. Yeah, that's it's not, not asbestos mines. <laughs> okay, sorry. Well, still not good for the old for the old lungs, uh, shall we say? So you head back yeah, to Italy it's not good for the lungs, right? So you head back to Italy to try to try and take care of your old man, of your papa. Yeah, just to say hello. It was a trip. It was like a visit. Oh, okay. And then my uh, my cousin Pasquale, he came, and uh, he just smiled, opened, showed me his hands. Two tickets for Monday Night Raw oh. in Milano, Italia. And uh, he said, uh, surprise, I'm taking you to Raw. And, uh, you know, of course, I was didn't believe it for a second. And then, um, you know, I inspect the tickets very closely because my cousin is a prankster. So I thought maybe he make like photocopy, use the printer. But they were real tickets. So, um, yeah, we went to Raw. And uh, that was the night that Mr. Mackman, he uh, made an invitation to the audience and uh, chose me to face Umaga. So, 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 and, uh, so Mr. Mr. McMahon uh, was in the ring and he said, I uh, open challenge to any fan in the, in the audience to come in the ring. Is that exactly, is that what he said? Yeah. So first he made an open challenge to anyone in the locker room to come and face Umaga, oh. but no one would, no one would come in and, and, uh, and face him. Then he said, okay, how about anybody here tonight? Now I'm thinking, okay, this is probably a show. It's not real. So I didn't put up my hands. And then the guy beside me was going crazy. And the other guy to the other side of me was going crazy, putting his hand in the air. And at one time, I remember Mr. Mackman, he looked towards us. 
And he kind of made eye contact with the people beside me. And I thought to myself, can you imagine if he picks them because I did not have my hand up? Uh-huh. I'm going to feel like idiot. I'm the one training to be a wrestler, not these guys. Right. So I put my hand up too, and I pushed to the front of the, of the group, right to the barricade, and I started putting my hand up, and he picked me. And I remember the guy beside me, one guy said, he picked you, he picked you, go, go. And the other guy said, don't go, don't go, Umago's going to kill you. <laughs> and uh, so I, I, I went into the ring, and, uh, you know, if you go on YouTube and put, put in Santino Marella debut, uh, you can you can see what exactly what happened, and w- and what a night it was. You went in there, and in the upsets of all upsets, you defeated Umaga and became the Intercontinental Champion. Yeah, it was crazy. I, I remember when I was uh, waking up because I was knocked out a little, little bit in the ring, and Bobby Lashley was pointing to me saying, "You did it. You won. You won." I, I said, "What are you talking about? I won. I won." And they hand me the title. And I, I kind of started shaking, freaking out, like, what, what, do, you, what do you mean I won? I, I just woke up, you know? <laughs> and uh, and so, they, yeah, I was Intercontinental Champion, and my career started, they gave me a contract that, that night, or uh, maybe next day. And, um, yeah, I had to really, you know, I wasn't finished learning. I had lots to learn still, but now I was on the road with really good guys that I can learn more from faster. Apparently, Iron Mike Sharp didn't know everything, but uh, he gave me a good foundation, I guess. Well, yeah, I mean, he was Canada's greatest athlete, but he wasn't the greatest athlete in the world, so there's still a lot you could learn. <laughs> but but after after you, you won the title that night, I heard that there was a, a huge celebration back at the hotel uh, held in your honor for being the, the new Intercontinental Champion. Yeah, there was. Um, I remember that, um, you know, I did not realize the kind of initiation process that there was. And uh, somebody, who was it? Oh, it was a referee, Marty Elias. Mm -hmm. And uh, Marty Elias said that tonight, you know, you have to drink with with the the boys, with the older guys. And, and, um, you know, like, I hope you can drink kind of thing. And I was like, oh, my God, what's going on here? So I remember, a long time ago, I had a drinking contest in Italy. We were drinking grappa. You know what grappa is? Uh, no, what is it's grappa? Like, oh, it's kind of like a moonshine, but Italian oh, moonshine. Okay. It's made with the leftover stuff in the barrel from the wife. It's, it's <laughs> okay. uh, very, very strong. Okay. And I, you know, I've drank that before, but I remember one time I was going to have a drinking contest with my friend Sergio, and I drank, I ate lots of pasta. Mm-hmm. Before, okay, to cushion my to cushion my stomach, and I beat him in the drinking contest. So I know how to prepare yourself. Of course, oh. there was no pasta here, so I came back to the hotel. And what I did was I ate lots of rice. I, I ran to catering and I ate white rice. Mm. And then they finally they, they found me, and they said you have to come to the bar right now. And everyone was there. I mean, it, for 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 me being a wrestling fan my whole life. Here's, you know, Ric Flair, Shawn Michaels, uh, Ricky Steamboat, uh, Michael Hayes, with the ponytail out, like the hair was down. Which, and that, uh, <laughs> that was never yeah, a good sign. Know, when Michael Hayes' hair was down back in the day, that meant that the beer wolf was out, which meant that Michael yeah. Hayes was, had been, uh, was ready to rock. Yeah, he was ready to rock. He, he threatened to, to fight me. <laughs> <laughs> She was face to face with me, and and he said to me, "Do you think you can beat me? I'll kick your butt." 
And uh, I said, hey, man, I'm just happy to be here. Please, please, sir, I don't want to fight anybody. <laughs> right. And, yeah, he's intimidating me. And uh, apparently, so, so Shawn Michaels was there, and apparently Shawn Michaels did not come down to the, to the uh, celebratory bar for a long time, like seven ne- years. Yeah, he never came out. So John Shanna was very jealous to me because uh, Shawn Michaels came out. Mm. He did not. He never. He never had a chance to have a drink with some some Michaels before. So he was giving me lots of headbutts, and um, you know, <laughs> lots like a hundred headbutts. Okay. And uh, if I didn't have a pet goat growing up, I probably would be dead. But uh, you know, I'm not. I'm not new to the world of butting heads. Smart. Yeah. Because of my go- yeah, because of my go- my pet goat Figaro. Figaro. And, okay. Uh, yeah, he was a good boy. Well, he, fought, he fought the, the dog before. Oh well, yeah. He he did. What did he do? He, he what did he do? He fought away a dog. Oh, a dog was going to attack you, and Figaro saved the day. Yeah, my goat. He came in and mm. fought him so many times. Anyway, he was a great goat. But the the, the point is, yes, I was drinking, drinking, and I said to myself, "Your job tonight is to stand on this spot and just endure and survive and, and just stand here." Mm. So then they started with, you know, the, hey, congratulations, shots, 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 Jack Daniels. And, uh, and uh, you know, just it kept coming and kept coming. But luckily for me, I had the rice. So then everybody who didn't have a chance to eat the rice was starting to get tipsy, starting to get a little bit drunk and tired. Mm. So they started going to bed. And for me, I'm having the greatest time of my life. This is Ric Flair, you know? Right. I mean, with me, Shawn Michaels, John Chena, and I didn't want this night to end, so I stood there all night, and I remember it was like 6, 6.30, 7 o'clock, and they were shutting down the place, and uh, I was saying, hey, how about some more drinks, because this is this is fantastic, you know? Mm-hmm. And they were kind of like saying, this is, our plan is not working to make this guy um, pass out. Right. And uh, how can I pass out? I'm just one intercontinental championship. Uh, you know, it's the greatest moment of my life. So, so the so the story is that I they say I reversed the rib because they were trying to rid me, but everyone else was going to bed because uh, I, I was not getting tired uh-huh. because I had the rice, I had the rice and the excitement. Right, smart thinking. So you ended up uh, you prevailed that night. Well, I puked later. But just, it was delay. <laughs> okay. Like it, the, the rice was just delay. Yeah, I was sick. I could not. I was. They found me the next morning and laying in vomit. It was nothing. It was not. But, but at least you were the Intercontinental Champion at the time and living up to the respect and the uh, prominence of all the champions of the past, for sure. <laughs> yeah, when I woke up and I saw the title in my room and I, I was like, that was not a dream, that was real. Oh, my God. What what a moment for you. We are talking to Santino Morella. What a great life he's had. Excellent story. We're going to talk more with him. Plus, we're going to hear the new Fozzie single, Lights Go Out. World exclusive just for you. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters. Both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.
Talk is Talk is Talk is Jericho. Welcome back to Talk is Jericho. Talking to uh, Santino Morello, the amazing night that he won the Intercontinental Championship. He became a star in one night, and you hit the ground running, Santino. You uh, you basically uh, held the Intercontinental Championship, and then you got involved with. You, you've had a real string of of, of amazing girlfriends. In the WWE, that started with Maria, and then there was Beth Phoenix. I mean, you've you've definitely gotten around uh, with the ladies uh, during your career. Yeah, for some reason they they pick me. I know I uh, I'm a little bit shy. I mean, sure, I like to make jokes, and but you know, when it comes to serious times with ladies, I I get a little bit intimidated because uh, they're so beautiful, you know. <clears throat> but Maria, she liked my accent, and uh, you know, I like some things on her too. And um, we started dating, and uh, but uh, I was I was insecure. I was um, I was not ready to date a woman of such beauty because when she's a woman like a, like a diva, you have to share her with the world because the whole world can see her on TV and in magazines and in that kind of stuff. Yes. So it was difficult for me. I did not want anyone to look at her, and because for my where I'm from, your woman is your woman, and it's very private. Mm-hmm. You know? And then, of course, when she did Playboy, I was, uh, it was too much for me to handle. And I was acting a little bit irrational. And uh, so the relationship fell apart because I was too, um, what's the word? Possessive, maybe? Jealous? Yeah, I was jealous for sure. But uh, possessive and uh. controlling or something. My therapist said a bunch of things. Uh, mm. But anyway, it uh, was not, you know, it did not work. Right, it didn't, it didn't, and then, but then you hooked up with 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 the Glamazon and formed Glamorella, and that really did work. You guys had uh, had some good energy going on there. Yeah, that was uh, that was real love. You know, we were uh, we, we would train together, go hiking, bike riding, mm. and if I got tired, she would carry me a little bit because she's so strong. <laughs> um, she she was it was like, she was great. You know, that was fantastic. It was like. She just was so down to earth and low maintenance, and uh, she was great. She was really great. But the only problem was that it was, uh, you know, she was really strong. Mm-hmm. And some people would say that she was more strong than me. Right. And I would say, I, you know, I don't think so. I'm a grown man and mm. I'm very powerful. And um, it would start to bother me a little bit, you know, because she's Jack. Yeah. And um, when I'm at the gym and I see like she's doing curls, you know. It, a little more than me, mm-hmm. and um, I was just working up. I was going to get to the, you know, I was going to put more weight, and then someone said, look, 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 Beth Phoenix is lifting more than Santino. And, you know, people laugh a little bit, and, of course, if I say to them, I'm just warming up, I look <laughs> like an idiot, right? So, right. And um, so I tried to show her, like, sometimes we would, we would uh, wrestle. Yes, and you know I, I can I can beat her. I'm a man, right? Of course. But nobody but nobody knew this, and people would still make jokes. Yeah, you know, look at your. You wish you had shoulders like your girlfriend or something, you know. Mm. And um, so I kind of became a little bit obsessed with demonstrating that I was stronger and more athletic, and I can beat her. And um, so, so I tried to. Um, I just. Again, I guess it's insecurity. I, and now that we're talking, I'm realizing I'm a pretty insecure person here. Mm. And um, it, I believe it... Uh, well, 
It, it was hard for you because, like you said, I mean, she was the glamazon. She was a, a very muscular, strong woman. But you're a man, Santino. You, you wanted to stand up for yourself. Yeah, but I'm, I'm a grown up too. Yeah. And um, w- there's one famous picture when when Beth Phoenix and I, Glamorella, we won the both the Divas Championship and the Intercontinental Championship again. Mm-hmm. In one match. Both titles were on the line. So. I was knocked out. Kofi Kingston knocked me out mm-hmm. with his kick. So when Beth Phoenix beat Mickey James, we both of us won. But again, you know, she woke me up and said, hey, you're the Intercontinental Champion. So that was the, the second time I won the Intercontinental Championship not being conscious. And, and uh, That's got to be some kind of record. I mean, that's pretty impressive. You didn't even have to be conscious to win the title. Twice. Twice. And then, and then, so the pictures are as me on her shoulders, and she's carrying me. So this is the way it's, it's saved in the history books, that she, I'm on her shoulders like a little boy, uh-huh. like a child, you know? And, um, and the only reason I won the title was because, you know, she won the title. So, uh, you know, it, it gets to you. It gets to you. Yeah. There's pictures, that are very well-documented pictures of your girlfriend carrying you like a baby. Right. No, I can see how that could kind of uh, affect your mental state, especially in such a uh, macho world uh, of, of, of pro wrestling. Um, but it, I think it was around that time that, that you probably, I think you took a little bit of a hiatus. And that's when we talked about your sister earlier, Santina Morella came into the WWE uh, and was actually entered into Miss Rest- into the Miss WrestleMania pageant. I mean, did you know that your sister was was... Uh, wanting to be a wrestler, did you used to to wrestle with her when you were kids? Yeah, yeah, she is. Uh, well, she's my twin. Oh, she's so, a twin. Uh, okay. Yeah, but she. Uh, I mean, you know, if, she's probably not going to hear this, so I can talk a little bit more uh, honestly. But she came out kind of masculine, mm. you know, and uh, she was teased a little bit in her life because she was a really good athlete. Yeah, uh, she was the best soccer, soccer player on her school. Um, Forget dodgeball, she'll kill you. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, she was just a really good athlete. Okay, she had to wax her arms and stuff like that. Whatever. Mm. She got teased a little bit. But she's my twin. So I know that if she comes and wins the Divas Championship, then for sure, obviously, uh, I can because I'm her brother. So then uh, I called her and I gave her uh, quick lessons. Nothing mm-hmm. very detailed. couple maneuvers because it was Battle Royal. So, you know, keep your balance low. Okay, right. Lift them over the top. Mm-hmm. And she did lots of uh, front squats and things like this to get her balance and be able to lift the other divas. Well, sure enough, Santina <laughs> wins, and she was Miss WrestleMania. So that was uh, <laughs> just huge news. Not only from one small village does one guy become intercontinental champion. His sister becomes Miss WrestleMania. I mean, that's incredible. And, uh, so. I think my my point was proved to the Glamazon that obviously uh, I'm a better, uh, stronger person than you. Mm-hmm. Right, and it's in your family too. I mean, your 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 family blood showed that you had the talent and the strength. What what is Santina doing now? Oh, she's she's married. Uh, she's she's uh, I, It came out years ago. Santina is, is uh, she's a lesbian. Oh, and uh, she has a yeah. No, it's okay. Okay, she has a girlfriend, and uh, they have a, a adopted baby. And she's just enjoying uh, being a parent, 
just enjoying better to it. It's simple. Okay. She's back in Italy. I mean, you wouldn't recognize her now. She put on some some weight. Oh, okay. Um, you know, she doesn't have time to exercise now with the baby. And she has a really beautiful little boy from Bulgaria. And um, they adopt him. And that's it. That's it. Okay. Um, All right. Well, at least... happy, yeah. And if nothing else, she'll always be... She'll always have that title of Miss WrestleMania. And, and what an amazing title it was. Let's talk about some of the some of the, the moves that you've done and some of the things that you're kind of synonymous for. Um, explain to us the, the entire concept of the honkometer. Ah, the honkometer. Um, well, the honkometer was a, a, a measuring device that was, uh, you know, designed to, to calculate where I am compared to the honky-tonk man's uh, title reign. So he was the longest intercontinental champion of all the time. Yeah, he was for 64 and, uh, weeks he held the intercontinental championship. Yes, I was right on his tails or heels, mm-hmm. right on his heels. And uh, I wanted to document it because if you have the, the, the foresight to realize that you are going to break the title, why not document it and, and later you can even release a DVD mm, right. every week of how you got closer and then, of course, became history. Um, everything was going really well uh, until Mr. William Rigo one time kicked my head so hard that um, he beat me. So that oh. kind of really extinguished the honker meter, but it was definitely a fan favorite. I mean, it was how, how five years ago now, six years ago? Right. People come up to me still and say, I wish you could bring back the honker meter. Now, how many weeks did you go before Regal stopped your reign? Did you get to about 62 weeks or 63 weeks, or how close did you get? Um, I, um, several weeks. Several, Se- several weeks. weeks. Okay, well, that's that's close. That's close. Actually, uh, it's 12 weeks and one day is what you got. I've just uh, had my assistants find that out. So 12 weeks and one day. 12 weeks? You got pretty close. That's good. That's really good. I mean, I think that's probably at least the sixth or seventh longest title reign uh, in the Intercontinental Championship history, and that's something to be proud of. That is. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. That's that's uh, some good stuff, you know. Um, so, uh, let's talk also about. I mean, the, the, you do a lot of very amazing uh, moves in the ring. Uh, you, you're, you're famous for your hip toss and your your jumping headbutt is amazing. You even go down and do a split sometimes, which is something you, you rarely see in the ring. But you're also an accomplished speedwalker. You start doing that speed walk back and forth in the ring, baby. Watch out. People, the, the, your opponents are, are, are running scared. How did you uh, perfect the speed walking technique, Santino? Well, I remember one time we, we were watching the Olympics back uh, how I was a teenager. I think mm-hmm. I was a teenager, yeah. So we were sitting there and, and we watched uh, Olympic race walking. And we were kind of laughing a little bit, saying, look at this. It's like they're walking, but they're running. I, you know, it's very funny. Right. Look at the hips, the way, the way they move. So why not just run? Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, um, so I, I was doing like an imitation. They look at me, look at me. I'm Olympic race walker. And apparently I did it really good. Everyone was saying, hey, you do it just like they do it on the TV. And um, that was, you know, that was just for fun. But then one time that uh, there was this, like, uh, there's four different factories mm-hmm. in, the, in the bottom of the village close to the water. And these four factories, every once a year, every summer, they would have, like, a, a games day, festival day. Come out, barbecue, come out and do some games. And one of the events was the Olympic race walking race. 
I guess because some of the workers were older, they couldn't run or something. Mm-hmm. So they gave them Olympic race, walking race. And I said, and my friends said, hey, you're, you were good at that. Remember, you should join this race. And I would come on. And then, anyway, they convinced me. And uh, I said, I'm going to kill these people. Look, they're old. I can beat everyone. Right. But then some guy, some guy said, no, no, no. There's one guy he wins every year. He used to be a soccer player professional from Argentina. And he's here. And uh, you just can't beat him. I said, oh, really? So there was two heats. I won my heat right. quite handily. And he won his heat also quite handily. And then it was the main event, uh, the finals. The fi- yeah, the so final heat. So it was just heat. me and him. And now, the, see, the, um, the circuit, the racing circuit was a complete square, perfect square. And now I used to watch baseball on TV. Mm-hmm. So I know if you got a hit, and it's a good hit, and you're going to run to second, maybe even third base, that you don't run straight to the base and then turn 90 degrees in one second. You have to go out a little bit and then yes. round the corner. You have to round the corner. Yeah. So um, so everyone, So in the beginning, I was he was standing straight on the line, and I was a little bit out, maybe six feet out. Mm-hmm. And everyone says, no, 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 go close, go close. And I said to myself, they don't realize the speed I'm going to generate. You can't just turn 90 degrees on a dime. So anyway, right. I took it six feet out. And then when we hit the first base or like the first marker, um, he went wide because of his speed. And I cut it close in tight because I was rounding it. And then I was in the lead. And then basically I, I, I would move left or right to prevent him from passing me. And I uh, just held on to the victory. So, yeah, and then you were able to take that technique and then use it in the, in the wrestling ring, which was a, an amazing feat in my opinion. You still look great when you do it. Obviously, you still remember the technique. Well, to me, it reminds me of my victorious race. So when I go to the ring with my speed walk, my Olympic race walk, to me, it's I'm going to victory. Mm -hmm. I'm going to go to that ring, and I'm going to become, you know, the winner of this match. And it all starts right here with this walk I do. And, um, you know, it gets me fired up. No, I'm not going to lie. It gets me pretty fired up. And uh, by the time I get to the ring, I'm ready to go crazy there. Mm-hmm. And and you do. And and well, let, let's talk about. I mean, probably the the most uh, uh, the move that you're that you're, that's most known for. The one that's really done the most for your career, as far as helping you win matches, etc., is the illustrious and famed Cobra. Tell us about the Cobra. Uh, Where did you learn such a dreaded technique? I mean, that's some kind of like a voodoo, almost guru, East Indian type of a thing. How did you learn that, and what prompted you to try and start doing it in the WWE? Well, remember earlier I said I had a part-time job at this little bar in Friday afternoons in Italy? Yes. So I had this little part-time job. I was just sitting on a stool because it, it, it was a little restaurant bar. Uh-huh. But Friday nights, Friday nights they had like a little dance floor, it's very small. But they had the so that was why I was there. I was kind of like a bouncer for one night. Mm-hmm. And uh, anyway, one night I'm sitting on a stool, you know, bored, and uh, in walks this Japanese guy. And wow! I'm talking. This is this is Calabria. This is this is southern Italy. <laughs> no Japanese people here. <laughs> right. So, of course, I sit up and you know I have so many questions about Kung Fu I don't know where to start 
And my English was worse, way worse. <laughs> mm-hmm. And his was probably anyway, bad, too. He, his was better than mine. Actually. Okay. Uh, yeah, so I, I came to him and I said, excuse me, uh, you know, you're Soro Santino Marella, you know, Piacere, nice to meet you. And he said his name was Taro. Mm. And I was, <laughs> that took us an hour to figure out what he was saying. But anyway, Taro, he had to spell it for me. T-A-R-O, Taro. I thought he was saying Tato. But anyway, so Taro was his name. And so we're talking, we're kind of understanding each other. And I'm, to be honest, I'm having a great conversation. And he's just a really, really intelligent man. He was a traveler. Mm-hmm. That's all he does, travels. He just goes around the world and travels. Just walks the and face of like, the earth uh, and travels. Okay. He travels. He goes and checks out things. I don't know where he gets money from. Mm. But uh, he, anyway, so Taro showed me this maneuver where he takes his right arm and transforms it into a snake, a cobra. And uh, it was fascinating because, it, you know, it, his arm became a snake. Yeah. And um, so he, he showed me this move and broke it down for me, chop the wrist, chop the elbow, turn it, put your hand under the arm, and um, that's it. That's all it ever was. He showed me the cobra. But Taro, there was something about, like, uh, mystical about Taro. Because, mm-hmm. you know, it's like he planted a seed in my brain. Right. Of this move. And, um, you know, I forgot about it for five, six years. And then one day I was having a match. And this is after now. You fast forward. Now I'm in the WWE. Mm. And I'm having a match. I believe it was with uh, Carlito. And um, so he was cheating the entire match. I was getting so frustrated. Oh. Eventually, I got up and I said, that's enough. You son of a God. If you want to punch me, I can punch you too. So I punched him back. Boom. I punched him back. Boom. He kept falling. But he was trying to get up. And anyway, one time when I punched him, by the time he got up, I put my arm out and I did the cobra. And right. I hit him right on the neck, right in the pressure point where Taro taught me. So if you hit someone right in the neck, there's a vein. Mm-hmm. And the vein takes the blood to your brain. Okay. If you stop this, if you, it's like stepping on a hose. Mm. If you step on the hose, the water is going to stop for one second. Okay. So if I stop, if I hit the vein, the blood to your brain stops for one second, but that allows me three seconds to do whatever I want in the three seconds. Usually that's when I pin them, right? Yeah. So I give him a shot to the neck. He falls down, cover, one, two, three. And at second number four, he wakes up like fresh, so it's weird because Ooh. it's one of the only maneuvers that you can beat the guy. But right after you beat him, he's pretty much back so to it's like clockwork. So, it, it it works for three seconds on the nose, and then the guy wakes up right after. Yeah, if you hit the if you hit the right spot, if you hit the right spot, that's perfect. I mean, that's all you need, right? All you need is three seconds. Exactly. That's why I was laughing. Like, what if what if Taro showed me a move that only worked for two seconds? That would be screwed. Yeah, you would. It'd be a false finish every time. That wouldn't be good. <laughs> Thankfully, Taro uh, came through, and that's become. I mean, you are like a wizard now with that move. Whenever you start going for that, you hit your elbow, and then you turn your yeah, you turn your your wrist around, and then you kind of have this biting motion. I mean, it's a pretty terrifying move. It's it's one of the the top moves in the business. Um, and it, it, like I said, it really, really works for you. There was another move that you used to do, uh, or at least you would cl- uh, try to do, and you never really quite were able to, to complete it. It was called the, the Maserati Clutch, and that was, uh, yeah. I, I, we never got to see the Maserati Clutch, but the, but the legend and the rumor was, was massive about this. Tell us about the Maserati Clutch. 
Well, the Maserati clutch was the only move I created from scratch. It was a high-risk, high-impact submission maneuver. Um, I've only hit it once. Well, it was actually, from from, from what I remember, it was a high-impact, high-risk submission maneuver from the top rope, I believe is what it was. Right, okay, so continue. I I only hit it once, and... um, well, it, it was uh, the guy's paralyzed. Uh, he's not paralyzed, but his legs are messed up pretty bad. He, oh, uh, wow! He has, uh, yeah, he has two canes, and he his legs are bad. It's 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 a dangerous maneuver. Wow! So, but the thing is, it's very difficult to set up. That's that's what I made my mistake when I was designing this maneuver. That it's very difficult to set up. So both guys have to be standing on the top rope. Oh. And then I put on like a cobra clutch type submission standing on the top rope. And then I jump off. So we both jump off and the person lands on their stomach. Uh-huh. And I still have, I still have the cobra clutch, but I'm landing now in a camel clutch. Oh, wow. So yeah, you can see how, how, you know, there'd be broken legs and, 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 swollen ankles and you know busted toes everything yeah so it lands so he's getting choked out on the way down no oh. then he's he's landing in a in a basically landing in a high impact camel clutch it's uh yeah it's it's a it's, very it's dangerous dangerous so you just choose not to use it uh, uh showing some mercy to your opponents well i tried for a long time to execute one but uh in you know uh, in the wwe but um, it was, I just I had trouble. I'm not going to lie. I had trouble executing it. And the worst part is I was, ta- I, you know, I was bragging about it. I'm saying, wait till you see my move, right? You're going to love my move. And, and I never got the opportunity to show people what the Maserati Clutch really looks like. But uh, you never know. You never know. One day, if the opportunity is there, I still might be able to do it. Hey, well, I'm not going to put myself in that position. There's no way. I mean, I, you know, like I said, I mean, this it's probably for the best uh, that you're not using this because you would leave a wake of broken bones and broken dreams behind you if you ever figured out a way to, to really apply that Maserati clutch in a quicker way. Yeah, because, I, I mean, everyone wants to win, but I, I don't want to take away your ability to feed your family. Yeah, well, I mean, and then that's fair. I mean, that's, that's some of your Italian values uh, shining through. Uh, Santino, before we let you go, what's what's your favorite match that you've ever had uh, during your career? I mean, you've had so many from winning the Intercontinental Championship twice from be, uh, being knocked out. Uh, you have a record, a Royal Rumble record, uh, which is a, another feat that's hard hard to hard to beat, where you were eliminated in 1.9 seconds, which is the shortest Royal Rumble appearance of, of all time. So many classic Santino Morella moments. What was uh, what was your favorite? I, uh, um, favorite moment? I mean, there was one where actually you were involved as well when we met Bob Barker. Oh, the price is raw. Yeah, price is raw. That was for me really special because, um, I watched Price is Right as a kid. Mm hmm. Uh, oh, they uh, had that in Italy. They had Price is Right in Italy? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and, and it wasn't dubbed. It was actually in English, too. Oh, okay. Roberto Barker, I believe you called him. <laughs> Roberto, that's right. 
that, that was good. I had some good, uh, you know, um, Jack Swagger and myself. We had lots of matches mm-hmm. that were very good, you know. And of course, you know, some of the best matches are not necessarily on on the television. Of course, they're uh, you know in the live events. So I've had some really good live events and. Uh, Becoming a tag team with Vladimir Kozlov, that was very, very many exciting moments because oh, yes. there's so much going on in the ring in a tag team match. This guy's over here, this guy's over here. And if they have a manager or, 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 or valet, there's another person to think about. So that was fun. I always like to say that my best moment is yet to come. Mm-hmm. I, believe we're, I believe we're due for another miracle. And um, hopefully this year, we're going to be able to, to have uh, that miracle. Another Milan miracle, and maybe you can become the Intercontinental Champion for the third time. Uh, one of Italy's favorite sons, and we're looking forward to seeing uh, Jingle All the Way Part 2, starring Larry the Cable Guy and Santino uh, Morella. Can we hear that North Carolina accent one more time? Sure. What would you like me to say? Wow. That is incredible. I'm. I, there's going to be some awards in the future for you, Santino, for, for this performance. I can tell. I mean that that I well, lit- there's some, actually there's some talk already before the movie's even been completed. There's already a, a talk of awards for you. Well, it may not be talk, but maybe chatter. Okay, chatter. So some chatter going on. Okay, well, Santino, we look forward to your uh, your return to the WWE, and we look forward to the movie, and we thank you for joining us today here on Talk Is Jericho. Our, our pleasure having you on. Oh, my, the pleasure is all mine. Well, You're Chris Jeringo, the champion can, of both titles. Can you tell me how, how do you say goodbye in Italian? Arrivederci. Arrivederci, Santino. Yeah, um, if, it, if, it, if it's more, that's more like goodbye. Oh, like, okay. If you right. want to say formally, you can just say ciao. Ciao, okay. Ciao, Santino. Arrivederci. Oh, ciao. All right, before we get to the phones to talk about the Loch Ness Monster, you heard it the other day. You're going to hear it again right now. The new Fozzie single, Taking America by Storm, one of the most added songs on rock radio in just the last couple days. It's called Lights Go Out. It's by Fozzie. Here we go. Just us colliding When the lights go out We all 
Well, what'd you think? Let us know your thoughts at Talk is Jericho and let us know how rocking you think Let's Go Out is. And if you don't like it, well, uh, I guess you can let us uh, hear that too. But I'm just going to ignore your comments. Yeah, boy! All right, let's head to the phones and see uh, what you guys think about what is in the depths of Loch Ness. We posted the number on the Twitter at Talk is Jericho. I want to know what you think. Let's go to Puerto Rico. First time caller from Puerto Rico. Javier, how you doing, my friend? Como estas? How you doing? Oh, I'm doing great, Chris. How are you, sir? Good, man. It's good uh, Good to hear from you down in Puerto Rico. I appreciate you listening to the show. Yeah, it's, it's, I'm a big fan of the show. It's the one podcast I make sure I never miss. Well, that's great, man. Smart guy. You're a smart guy down there in uh, in Puerto Rico. <laughs> okay, let's let's talk about Loch Ness. There's been a lot of uh, discussion over the last couple days about the Apple yeah. Maps, the Apple Image. What do you think is uh, is in the depths of Loch Ness? You know, uh, since I was a little kid, I, I've always uh, been like in uh, in love with this mythology of Loch Ness and what is beneath it, like the big myth. And yeah. I was in middle school, I did a report for a class about, I, I tried to get evidence to try to prove uh-huh. that it actually existed. Right, cool. Yeah, and you know, I've been reading about this Apple Maps thing, and I was really, like, excited about it, because, you know, one would think that with the technology that we had available now, you could, you could like, if it, if, you, if it was real, we would already know, Right. You think that they would have found something, but the, but the yeah. thing is that you know Loch Ness is such a big lake and it's so deep that you I guess you never know. I guess that's the one thing that you can kind of hold on to in that you know how how could it it it, it be disappearing for so long? It's because the lake is so big. But what do you think is in there? I don't know, man. I I, I want to believe. Like mm-hmm. kidding me wants to believe that there is actually a huge lizard like animal is swimming down there. Yeah. But you know, the, the, like the 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 adult in me, like the logic in me, says that no, maybe it's just a hoax. I don't really know. Right. I, mean, I read that the the image in Apple Maps was actually a boat going through the lake. Well, they always say. I mean, there's always going to be the 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 naysayers that don't believe. In anything, so they'll say it's a boat or it's a vapor trail or whatever. But to me, just the fact that you know we we get a chance to see this and you know the legend lives on, that's, yeah, that's almost good on. enough for me. So year um, after year after year, there must be something to it. You know? Yes, exactly. Where there's smoke, there's fire, and it couldn't have been that talked about for so many years and not have something strange in there. Uh, thanks, Javier, for for calling. I appreciate it. Let's thanks. go over to uh, Atlanta with uh, Smark Rage. Is his name? Is that your legal name? Is that on your birth certificate? Uh, it, alle- allegedly, that's my legal name. Oh, okay. All right. All right. Well, I guess I'll call you uh, Mr. Rage. Uh, that's, what? That, you- that's, that's fine. Thank you, Mr. Jericho. All right. Cool. Uh, well, what uh, What do you think's going on in Loch Ness? I think nothing's going on. I think somebody got creative with a Photoshop or Paint Shop Pro. But Loch Ness doesn't exist. Well, no, Lo- Loch Ness does exist. There is, there is, there is the Loch Ness. That's an actual existing body of water. But the monster doesn't exist. There are no such thing as monsters. Well, so, now, what, what proof do you have of that, uh, Smark? Uh, there's no monsters in my closet or under my bed, and I'm 35. There's never been monsters under my bed. 
Well, I would hope not if there was uh, you live in a different dimension or something like that. You know, there's a, there's a big difference, though, between the space that's under your bed and the space that's uh, uh, in, in the actual Loch Ness and the space that's between your ears. Absolutely. Zinger, burn! Let's head over to Charlotte in Kentucky. How you doing, Charlotte? Always good to hear from the ladies. Good, good. It's... Uh, it's uh, nice to talk to you today. We're talking about the Loch Ness monster. What may or may not be in uh, in the Loch Ness? What do you think? I think it could be possibly uh, one of the last remaining dinosaurs. Well, see, that's what I think too. I think it could be a plesiosaur uh, that somehow got into the Loch through underground canals that lead to the ocean, and that there's a family of them because obviously the 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 Nessie isn't immortal, but I think that there's been many of them, a number of them over the you know over the the hundreds of years that 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 the reports have been made. I agree. I totally agree. I think that until you, someone can definitely prove otherwise, that that's my belief. That's right, and I feel the same way, Charlotte. Unless you can prove otherwise, I'm going to go with the uh, with the thought that there's something in there, and so I agree with you. Thanks for totally. thanks for calling, Charlotte. We appreciate that. Let's head over to Bobby G, the Bobby G man in North Carolina. What's going on, Bobby? Hey, you're a hard man to get a hold of on Twitter. You know that. <laughs> well, I mean, that's what happens when you got two million Twitter followers. It's hard to uh, keep up with all the messages. Well, you're, you're, well, you're the best. You're the best in the world. Oh. All right, man. All right. Well, where are you at in North Carolina? Uh, up there, up here in Spring Lake. Spring Lake. Okay, so Spring Lake. Has there ever been any reports of a of a Spring Lake monster? No. Okay. But, uh, but what, okay. Well, what do you think? Uh, yeah, a ghost. But um, but to get to the uh, Loch Ness thing, I think there's something in there. And your theory of the the um the dinosaur. Uh huh. That I mean, see the theory of um evolution. You know, the time period. Things change by time. Right. And I'm thinking there is something in there, and it could be related to the plato, like you said, the platosaurus. Uh huh. But uh, you know, um, like you said, it ain't the same thing because there ain't no thing that can live forever. You know what I mean? Well, yeah. I mean, it would have to be a family of them. It's got to be a family of them. I mean, another another uh, hypothesis is Ash the fish hunter earlier in the show brought up. It could be a, a giant sturgeon because there are sturgeons. Sturgeons uh, in in Loch Ness, especially that picture that came up. That could be anything. And also, you know, you can have a speck on the lens that could make something, you know, come up like that. It could be a speck on the lens. Well, yeah, I mean, I guess that would be uh, like a smudge a smudge on the camera lens could do something like that, too, I guess, right? I'm a ghost hunter. I know about these things. Oh, you're a ghost <laughs> hunter. You're a ghost hunter? Yes, sir. Oh, wow. Have you ever, uh, you, I don't know if you listened to our podcast with Jeff Belanger that we had. He was a ghost hunter, too. Have you ever seen a ghost hunter? Have I ever seen a ghost? I mean, have you ever seen a ghost? Yes. Wow. Where did you see a ghost? Tell us about that. I recorded ghost on EVP, Electronic Voice Phenomenon. Where did you see the ghost? In plenty of places. You know, we we don't go to just one place. We go like the house, uh, house or business or whatever like that, wherever they need us. Really? So you're kind of like uh, if if someone reports a ghost out in Spring Lake, North Carolina. we We go to it. So what do you do when you get there? We investigate, just like any normal investigation. We set up recorders, EVPs, uh, millimeters, stuff like that. So have you seen some things that can't be explained? Yes. 
Wow. Like, what's the craziest thing that you've ever seen uh, when, you were, when you were trying to find a haunted ghost? Craziest thing I've ever seen is I've seen a doll turn in a case hanging up, on a, hanging up on a ceiling freely and it going around and around and around and around and around, and around with no reason at all. Wow. Really? So something was in that room to cause something this? Something was in that room, and it wasn't the Loch Ness Monster. <laughs> <laughs> well, Bobby G, sounds like you've got some uh, some supernatural stuff going on. Uh, very cool to hear, not only from, from his theories on Loch Ness, but he's a ghost hunter as well. Hey, I mean, if you ever want me on your show, I give you some stories, man. Oh. All right, well, we'll take down your number, Bobby G, and uh, we'll, we'll call you back next time there's some ghosts in the news. All right, let's take one more call heading over to Long Island. we got Daniel on the line. What's going on, man? Hey, Chris Jericho. I love your podcast. Thanks for having me. Oh, you're, you're, you're welcome, and I appreciate you listening. And I want to know, what do you think is in Loch Ness? Well, first of all, I just want to get your opinion. Do you think the Loch Ness Monster is real or not? I think uh, that is it a, the monster per se the, the the dinosaur from another from another era that lives in the lake. I'm not sure, but I do think there's something in there that's out of the ordinary. Only for the reason of all the different sightings that we've had over the years. There's just too many people that have seen too many weird things for there not to be something in there. What do you think? I think there's something in there, but I don't know. It's sort of weird. It's like so many people have seen them, but it's like. Nobody has really gotten like a good, like a really good picture or like a like a good picture. Like, well, the the, the the picture that we saw, I don't know if you if you saw it from the, from the Apple Maps, yeah. the, uh, the 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 giant hundred foot uh, kind of apparition under the surface. I mean, you know that was a, that was a pretty good uh, pretty good representation of something. Yeah, yeah, it was a pretty good picture. But I'm just like surprised nobody has like even remotely gotten close to catching it or something like that. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, that's the thing. I mean, the, the, the one the one bit of information about Loch Ness is it's very expansive. It's, it's, it's one of the biggest lakes in the world. It's very deep. Uh, there's points right. in, in the lake where they still haven't found the bottom of it. And I actually took a tour to Loch Ness a few years ago. We, were, uh, we had a, a show in Glasgow or maybe Aberdeen, Scotland, with the WWE, and I put together a little tour, rented a, a kind of a van, and, and grabbed six, six or eight of the guys, and we all went to Loch Ness and took a boat ride on it. And it's very choppy. It's it's a very choppy lake. Yeah, the waters are rough. The waters are very rough, and there's no real banks. It's just kind of uh, hills, like big rolling hills that go straight into uh, the lake, which causes a lot of moss and a lot of peat to be in the water. So it's a very murky lake. Right. It's a very choppy lake. It's a very cold lake. It's very difficult to uh, to kind of get a handle on it. So you know, it, it, I think all of that adds to the legend of of something being in there because it's not something you can tame. The lake itself is not something you can easily tame. Right. It sort of reminds me of like Bigfoot, though. Like a lot of people have claimed to see Bigfoot, but it's like they've never really gotten like close to it, like any encounters with it. You know. Well, I mean, that's the thing with all of those type of things. We've we, we have uh, we've had a, a Bigfoot hunter on the show. He's coming up uh, very soon. We've had a UFO expert on the show. He's coming up very soon. And and the and the common denominator with all of these is that you're dealing with a very large uh, space. You know, you're dealing with right. Loch Ness. You're yeah. dealing with with you know the galaxy. You're dealing with 
yeah. you know, the Pacific Northwest, for example, that's 95 percent mountains and, and woods and trees. So if there's things in there, it could be hard to find them. And that's uh, one of the reasons why I never, uh, ever deny that there could be something in, in, in these areas because we'd be very egotistical as a race to think that we know everything that's going on in the world and the galaxy that's so, uh, so large. So thank you very much, Daniel, Daniel, for calling in. And thanks to all you guys for, uh, for calling. Is there something in Loch Ness? I'm definitely staying on it. Uh, as I mentioned earlier in the show, I've been obsessed with lake monsters for, for my whole life. And I will continue to be obsessed, and I think still one day it will be my destiny to be the first person that ever gets eaten by uh, by a lake monster on camera. Okay, so and Ash, the fish expert, will be there to document the whole thing for his first big scoop. My dad gets eaten by lake monster by Ash, the fish expert. All right, great uh, thoughts and hypotheses on what's going on in Loch Ness. What a show we've had! My goodness. Santino Morella, Loch Ness Monster Talk, Fish Expert Ash Irvin, the new Fozzie Tune Lights Go Out. This has been a, a, a buffet of entertainment for you, a cornucopia of, of rockicity just for all of you. And I thank you for joining me here on Talk is Jericho. I know you've got literally hundreds and thousands of different podcasts you can choose. And the fact you came and hung out with me again today means a lot, brings a tear to me eye. But thanks for also using the Amazon link every time you do your online shopping. Really easy to find. Go to podcastone.com. Click on the Keep Our Podcasts Free banner at the top of the page. Then click on Talk is Jericho, and you'll see all three of my Amazon links in the U.K., in the United States, and Canada. Every time you do that, Amazon kicks back a little cashola to the show so we can keep doing this for you for free twice a week. It's twice a week. And it's for free. It's twice a week. Oh, look at me. I'm Chris Jericho, and I do talk is Jericho for you. I hope you join me next week. Yeah, there's no extra fees or hidden charges when you go to the podcast1.com. Keep our podcast free banner and use Amazon. You're just getting your shopping done and helping me out in the process. So we'll see you next week. We've got some great shows. As always, stay hard, stay hungry. Peace, love, and hugs. See you next week and a big, yeah, boy. You can download new episodes of Talk is Jericho every Wednesday and Friday at podcastone.com. That's podcastone.com. This has been a Podcast One production. Executive producer, Norm Pattis.